promise, Lord, never again. But I also know that you know what a weak willed person I am. I'm a wonderful person. Psalm 81. Sing with joy to God our strength and raise a loud shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and sound the timbrel, the merry harp and the lyre. Blow the ram's horn at the new moon and at the full moon the day of our feast. For this is a statute for Israel, a law of the God of Jacob. You laid it as a solemn charge upon Joseph, going out over the land of Egypt, where I heard a voice I did not know. I eased your shoulder from the burden. Your hands were set free from the gravedigger's basket. You called on me in trouble, and I delivered you. I answered you from the secret place of thunder and tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you, O Israel, if you would but listen to me. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not worship a foreign God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. Yet my people did not hear my voice, and Israel would not obey me. So I gave them over to the stubbornness of their hearts to follow their own devices. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe in fear and their punishment would last forever. But I would feed you with the finest wheat and satisfy you with honey from the rock. Amen. Reading from Ezekiel chapter 33, beginning at the 21st verse. In the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and reported, The city has been, has been taken. Now the hand of the Lord had been on me the evening before the fugitive arrived, and he opened my mouth before the man came to me in the morning. So my mouth was opened, and I was no longer mute. Then the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, those who live in the ruins in the land of Israel are saying, Abraham was only one person, yet he received possession of the land. But we are many. Surely the land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say to them, This is what the Lord God says, You eat meat with blood in it, look to your idols and and shed blood. Should you then receive possession of the land? You have relied on your swords, you have committed detestable acts, and each of you has defiled his neighbor's wife. Should you then receive possession of the land? Tell them this. This is what the Lord God says. As surely as I live, those who are in the ruins will fall by the sword. Those in the open field I have given to wild animals to be devoured, and those in the strongholds and caves will die by plague. I will make the land a desolate waste, and its proud strength will come to an end. The mountains of Israel will become desolate with no one passing through. They will know that I am the Lord when I make the land a desolate waste because of all the detestable acts they have committed. As for you, son of man, your people, 
are talking about you near the city walls and on the doorways of their houses. One person speaks to another, each saying to his brother, Come and hear what the message is that comes from the Lord. So my people come to you in crowds, sit in front of you and hear your words, but they don't obey them. Their mouths go on passionately, but their hearts pursue dishonest profit. Yes, to them you are like a singer of passionate songs, who has a beautiful voice and plays skillfully on an instrument. They hear your words, but they don't obey them. Yet when all this comes true, and it definitely will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it finally happens, right? The Jerusalem falls. We're told in the 12th year of our exile, in the 10th month, on the 5th day of the month. So in 585 BC, uh, five, well, 586 is, I believe, when Jerusalem falls. And then 585 is the time by then that a fugitive comes from Jerusalem to report it a few months after it after it falls. But imagine, imagine slaving away at your particular work uh, to what God has called you for that length of time, knowing that it's not a positive work, right? That that um, you've been you've been given a message to speak, and and it is a message that speaks of um, not good things, right? <laughs> That, it, that it's a message that is speaking to the people of, of, of things that are not going to go well. Uh, it, it's basically actually been, I believe, looking back here in, in chapter one of Ezekiel, uh, we're looking at about a seven-year period of Ezekiel's preaching, speaking, acting out these things that God has given to me to seven years of speaking about these things that it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then it finally does. Uh, Imagine now that it finally has happened. Imagine that kind of dedication to something that you know is not going to end well. And yet I I ask you church, what, what kind of dedication do you have to, um, what it is that God has called you to do? What, what kind of dedication do you have to uh, uh, a, a particular cause that the Lord has laid upon your heart? Is it, well, I'm going to continue to do this thing until it doesn't go the way that I want it to, and then I'm going to wash my hands of it? Uh, are, are you one who's willing to, to slave away in the fields of the Lord for an extended period of time, maybe for your entire life, and see no fruit. That that maybe you have been called to be part of the leadership of a church that's 30 people, and you've been lied to for so many years that if you just do this thing and that thing, then you're going to end up with, uh, uh, you know, thousands of people coming. If, if you just do church in the box, if you just follow this pattern, if you just do these particular things, it's going to go well for you. What if it never does? What if where God has called you to be is to be part of that family of 30 people that gather every Sunday faithfully, caring for their pastor, hearing the word preached, studying the Bible together, praying together, what if that's what God has called you called you to do? 
or, or maybe he's called you to a particular ministry in which um, you do not have the numbers that other people get. Uh, maybe you uh, um, you are, are sitting there uh, thinking that, uh, why, am, why am I slaving away at this Sunday school when I've only got three people? Why am I slaving away at this youth group because I only get six people when, when the church down the street gets 60? Well, maybe it's because God has called you to do that particular thing. And maybe it means that for the life of, of, that, of those kids, of those students, for the few years that they are with you, you are the one who is going to uh, be a, a word of mercy to them. Or, or to think about, you know, living, living out a life in which uh, maybe you get married and it's later in life or whatever. And within a year or two, you find out that your, your spouse has cancer and that the majority of your marriage together is you going to be caring for them until they fall asleep in Jesus. Would you still do that? Those are just thoughts that that came to me as I, I was reading this um, the other day, getting getting ready for this podcast of thinking about Ezekiel slaving away for seven years, twelve years if you count the fact that he's been in exile for that long. Um, if we are to believe that he went into exile with King Jehoiakim, but to to slave away for that long, knowing that this was going to come, I don't know. Well, then after that section, we have, uh, we have presumption coming, uh, assuming that, well, this is just the way things, this is just the way things have always gone. Why should they be any different, right? Because you have the, the people of God, uh, after, uh, um, after the destruction of the land of Israel, Abraham was only one person, yet he received possession of the land. But we are many. Surely the land has been given to us as a possession. And I think there's two directions you can go down with this. One, um, you're thinking of the people who, um, even as they're watching everything burn down around them, Jerusalem, the temple, the palace, all those things, they're still thinking, well, we're the, we're the people of the promise. We're, we're, we're sons of Abraham. Surely things are going to go fine. Abraham was promised this land, and so we should be able to take this land as well. And to have um, God basically have to tell them no. You think you're okay because maybe you escaped whatever it was that came through Babylon? No. I have decreed something and it is going to take place. That's a dangerous place to be in, right? Where we still continue. Everything can be falling down around us and we will still cling to our old idolatries. We'll still cling to our old assumptions. We'll still cling to thinking, well, no, things, things are supposed to go this way. Things are going to be fine. Instead of, instead of the things falling down around us because it's needing to remind us that things are not going to go well. That, that things have not gone well. And that we need to be turned back to Christ, turned back to the Lord, that somehow we have maybe lost our way and here God is turning us back. 
that that we we've bought into this American fallacy of thinking that God wants uh, wants us to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. That He wants things to be well with us all the time, rather than assuming that in reality there's going to be times where God is going to discipline us, and we can't assume that things are going to go well with us just because we're baptized or whatever. That li- that there is no assumption that we are supposed to be able to go through life without stuff hitting the fan. The other direction you can go down is these are the people left over in, in Samaria. The, the people that were left uh, in the northern tribes uh, by the Assyrians, that they're assuming, okay, now that Jerusalem has fallen, the land's going to be ours. And, and God is saying, no, <laughs> that's not how this is going to work. That, that things are going to be laid waste uh, that that um, and God reminds them of all the things that they have done, that they're not as cool as they are. That that many times we will look at the falling. Uh, we've talked about this a billion times, so I'm not going to dwell on it. But we will look at the the sins of others that cause them to fall, and we think, "Oh, look at them! How bad are they?" When um, what we really need to do is uh, look at our own sins. Be reminded of what it is that we're doing, because God, that's what God does here. He, he says, uh, this is what the Lord God says, you eat meat with blood in it, meaning you're, you're not obeying kosher laws. Uh, you, you are basically living out the cultural lives of the people around you, rather than as the people set apart by God. Yeah, you, you look to your idols, so those things that we decide we are going to worship, that we are going to create to be more worthy than Christ, more worthy than God. Uh, you shed blood, meaning that the lives of others around you don't mean as much as your own selves, that you're not loving one another as you love yourself, right? The, the, just the common sins that cause us to turn away from God all the time. It's no different. We're just like them. We create idols of all sorts of things. Family, institutions, uh, politics, sports, whatever the case may be. And and God says, you you think you're going to get this because you think that you are so much more holy? You you live lives of violence. You you commit detestable acts and you uh, take advantage of your neighbor's wife. We've already talked about the overly sexualized nature of the world. And so God says, you know what? So um, nothing's going to rescue you. You're not going to be rescued because uh, you uh, made it out. Uh, you, you, you have survived the destruction in the ruins around you, he says. You, those who dwell in the ruins are going to be taken by the sword, he says. Those in the open field, meaning those that have escaped from the city, who've been left alone, it's not going to go well for you. Those have been able to make it to caves in order to be able to hide. It's not going to go well for you. You're thinking that, that all these things, that you're going to be able to save yourselves, and that's not what is to come. What is to come is the salvation that I'm going to bring to you. It's a precursor of Christ here, of God saying, all these other things are not going to save you. And then the last section, verses 30 through 33 uh, this is this goes to something I think we've talked about it here, and maybe we haven't. I, I do so many Bible studies. I know we we talk about it quite a bit in my young adult Bible study that I have on Mondays. Uh, shout out to Abby, by the way, if you're listening, um, and Ryan, 
and Luke and anyone else who's listening to this. Um, but he, he talks about how, well, all these people are showing up to listen to you, right? Uh, come and hear what the message is that comes from the Lord. So my people come to you in crowds, he says. We're, the church is really good at drawing crowds. We, we can do that pretty easily. You put on a good show, you're going to get people into church. Not a problem. You look at most of the mega churches. Most of the mega churches, uh, what you discover is that they have full-time people employed, or at least part-time people employed, on a production staff to run lights and sound and video and uh, all of those things. Plus, usually they've invested quite a bit of money into paying for musicians. It's, it's not volunteers up there that are playing and singing. Most of them are paid some sort of a stipend, even if it's just a service uh, uh, per diem per service, or it could be a weekly amount. They are paid to put on the best show that they possibly can. So my people come to you in crowds, sit in front of you and hear your words, but they don't obey them or they don't listen to them. They're, they're really entertained by what you have to say. But then they walk away going, wow, that was fun. Their mouths go on passionately, but their hearts pursue dishonest profit. I've always, that's, that's interesting. They, they, uh, they, they will listen to you, but their desire is to get whatever they can for themselves out of this life. That's America, right? Yes, to them, you are like a singer of passionate songs who has a beautiful voice and plays skillfully on an instrument. They hear your words, but they don't obey them or they don't listen to them. It's there. There's two problems with this. One, it could be that the people are showing up and they're entertained. They enjoy what you have to say, but they can't tell you what it is that you've said. That's, that's one of the struggles if I were to ever teach a preaching class. It drives me nuts when preachers will spend hours upon hours upon hours working on object lessons, right? This thing that you're going to hold up to try and drive a point, right? And it can end up being something funny, something catchy. You're trying to do something to capture people's attention, but then they can't tell you what the main point of the sermon was. All they can remember, I can remember my my grandparents talking about what they loved about this one preacher at this one large church that they were attending. And my grandma go, oh yeah, there was one Sunday where he held up this big potato chip bag. And she goes on to talk about everything that this pastor did with this big potato chip bag with potato chips in it. But she could not tell me what the main point of the sermon was. All she remembered was potato chips. Or, or uh, someone could have a super soaker or whatever the case may be. Uh, thinking of the things that entertain, but they can't remember what it is that God is actually speaking to them in his word. Right? So the, the entertainment side of things. You see this in a majority of mega churches around this country. You watch a bunch of their stuff and they will steal from the culture to do, to do, you know, it's, it's like the, the, uh, summer at the movie series that you'll see all over America, these churches doing the summer at the movie series, but they'll pick movies that are 20, 30 years old. I saw one, uh, church did a thing with toy story, not, not toy story three or four or five or whatever number we're on. No, the first toy story movie, it's like 25 years old. It's like from the nineties, seriously. And we think we're being relevant. <laughs> you know, they dressed up in the costumes and they tried to, sh- they showed some scenes from the movie and used the movie to try and tell the gospel. How about you just tell, 
teach the Bible. Tell the story of Jesus. Seriously. Entertaining. People will catch on to those sorts of things. Another church turned their entire narthex, entire which was huge, by the way. You could fit my entire church just into their narthex, into basically almost uh, a, a Galaxy's Edge Star Wars-themed thing because they were going to do a whole theme around Star Wars for a summer series. It was insane. How much money are you wasting on that? That people are going to remember all of that stuff, but they're not going to remember anything that you say in your sermon. They're just going to remember, oh, there was Star Wars. They're being entertained, but they're not doing this. The, the other road that we go down is you have the preachers and the churches who are very good at information. They can teach theology purely. They can make sure that you know these are the orthodox beliefs of what you are supposed to believe, but you can't tell people why they matter that they mean nothing really, that it's nice information, but there's been no experience of this Christ. So you can get up and talk about, well, Christ has uh, has a human nature and a divine nature, or Christ uh, was incarnate in the flesh, um, born of the Virgin Mary, and all these things, and, and you can confess those things, and you think they're great, but then people have no clue why they matter. So they can recite the creed, but the creed hasn't become their own. That they can talk about Jesus, but Jesus, they don't understand that Jesus is for them. That Jesus has been theirs, that he's become their Jesus. Not just some magical thing, but it is their Jesus. He has become their Jesus. Setting aside information, not setting aside information really, wanting that information, but making sure that it gets connected to experience. That you're not just being entertained, but that that information that's being conveyed about the truth of the gospel of what Christ has done for you on your behalf, that 2,000 years ago on a hill outside Jerusalem, Jesus Christ was given to die for you. And because of him, all of your sins, past, present, and future are forgiven. That you've been bought at a price. That he gives himself to you graciously and abundantly from his table, his body and blood broken and shed for the forgiveness of all your sins, that all your shame has been taken away, but he's also going to put to death all your pride, that those things have become yours, that Jesus is for you. Otherwise, it's just a nice story. This is the same struggle that we're having here in Ezekiel. The people are enjoying listening to him but they don't actually think that he is talking about them. My prayer for you, church, is that in your congregation, wherever you are at, that has become the mantra, that it's about this Jesus being for you, that you having a God who speaks to you, who loves you, a God who is going to do everything he can to continue to be your God until the end of time because that is the only God you have. This Yahweh God, who is the eternal I am, who is always for you. May that be so for you today. Let us pray. Almighty and eternal God, you show perpetual loving kindness to us, your servants. Because we cannot rely on our own abilities, grant us your merciful judgment and train us to embody the generosity of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. 
Well, church, I pray that uh, this week goes well for you. Uh, Please share this podcast with as many folks as you can. We want to make sure that they are hearing it too. Uh, But uh, otherwise, I I pray that God would be with you this week. Um, And uh, go in peace, serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.